Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John 14, verse 15, Jesus declared, quote, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Do you have a lifestyle of growing obedience to Jesus Christ our Lord? Although our salvation from sin comes solely by the grace of God, our relationship with Jesus grows as we obey him. It is in our growing obedience to Jesus that we experience life and intimacy and relationship with him and with our Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 14 and study these incredible words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Thursday afternoon here in Texas and hopefully all are just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus. As we say every time, there's just nothing more beneficial or edifying in our lives than spending time with Jesus, spending time in the scriptures, right, Riley? Spending time reading and studying and meditating on uh, on your Bible, on the Holy Scriptures, um, and above all, spending time obeying them, believing them and obeying them, um, and repenting when we fall short, um, spending time in prayer and thanksgiving. Uh, in praise, in worship, uh, spending time in fellowship with other believers. All of these things are how we grow in our relationship and devotion and, and intimacy with Jesus Christ, our Lord. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, today we're continuing in John 14. We're going to do verses 12 to 21. Um, just uh, just an incredible chapter, John 14. They're, they've all been good. Um and, uh, you know, Jesus is speaking to his disciples here um, and really all but like all but like three or four verses of the whole chapter are in red. So the entire chapter almost is Jesus speaking. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you for the scriptures, Father. We thank you for your mercy, your favor and your goodness on our lives. And above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and, and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us, dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. John 14, verses 12 to 21. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. 
Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, verse 12. I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus speaking again, and he says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. One of the marks of a Christian, of a disciple of Jesus Christ, May, is that we have the character of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that, that we emulate Jesus, that we, that we have a lifestyle of, of living and acting like, like he did. So when we read the Gospels and you see the character of Jesus, you see the love of Christ, you see the mercy of Christ, um, you, you see the, 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 the zeal to, to, to speak the truth. Just in every aspect of our lives, we want to, to be more like Jesus. We want to emulate Jesus. And he says that, that a mark of our faith in him, Tommy, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. So you want to ask yourself today, are you, as a Christian, do you have a lifestyle of being, you know, more and more like Jesus. Now, uh, none of us are going to ever be exactly like Jesus. I mean, Jesus is God. He was perfect. He was sinless. And we're never going to attain that perfection, but that ought to be our goal, right? Matthew, I believe it's 548 says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So it, it ought to be a desire of ours. A part of our faith ought to be to be like Jesus. We have faith in Jesus Christ as our, as our Savior and our Lord for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. But part of that faith, again, ought to be to emulate him. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. So again, you want to you wanna examine yourself and see, are, are, are you someone who has a desire to be like Jesus? Can you when you look inside yourself and, and, and think about yourself, do you have a desire to be more and more like Jesus? And if not, you, you know, we just ask him to help us, right? I mean, uh, you know, just, just go to him in prayer and just say, Lord Jesus, you know, I, you know, I, I really, I want to be more like you, but I ask you to help me and, and give me the desire that I might desire to be more like you, Jesus, in every aspect of my life. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, what does Jesus mean that he will do even greater things than these? It cannot mean greater in quality or greater in substance because you cannot do greater things in quality or substance than what Jesus did. You can't do anything greater than raise the dead. Um, you can't do anything greater than have a, a hurricane. Like think of the, 
the greatest hurricanes in your lifetime, Hurricane Katrina. Jesus was in the middle of a hurricane and said three words, quiet, be still, and everything became calm. You can't do anything greater than that. You can't do anything greater than feeding 20,000 people, you know, 5,000 men, plus women and children, um, you know, with with uh, seven loaves of bread and two fish, right? Um, so when it says he will do even greater things than these, it cannot be talking about quality or in substance, but in, in quantity, right? In magnitude. Um, and, you know, the, as followers of Jesus over the centuries, as we walk as he did, as we try to, to do the things he did in, in quantity, you know, um, we've done as a church, as his body, as the body of Christ, we've done substantially more than Jesus did in his three and a half year ministry. In the book of Acts, when, um, you know, when Peter gives his first sermon there in Acts 2, it says that that 3,000 people were saved, right? And that was more than, than Jesus did in his entire ministry. And so um, as believers in Jesus Christ, with Jesus living in us, we have gone out now in Jesus's name and, and certainly done more works in Jesus and for Jesus and through Jesus than he personally did in his lifetime. So that's what he means when he says he will do even greater things than these. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. Verse 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I want to point something out here. Um, I think one of the, I'm not going to say it's a great error, but one of the mistakes that I believe we've made in the in the body of Christ as ministers or theologians or scholars is there's this idea that we should only pray to God the Father. And that comes from, you know, when Jesus taught us in, you know, in, in Matthew 6, I believe it's 9 to 13, that when you pray, you pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, we can pray and should pray to any member of the triune God, okay? Um, you don't pray to people. You don't pray to dead people. You don't pray to, to Mary. You don't pray to people who, you know, have already died. But we ought to pray to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're all all-knowing. They're all all-powerful. They're all omniscient, right, Matt? They're all, you know, omniscient. They're all omnipotent. They're all omnipresent. They're all everywhere. They're all always on the same page. They're always in agreement, right? We have one God represented in three individual persons. Um, and you notice here in verse 13, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking about when he's not going to be with them anymore. So he's not talking about right now at this last supper. And he says, he says he's going to the father and he says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. 
you see it brings glory to the Father when you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And how are you going to grow in your relationship with Jesus if you don't talk to him or pray to him? Right? What's interesting is there is a, a group of people, and, and again, uh, all of them will admit, you know, you know, the the believers or theologians, and you know, there's not many, but those who believe that that you should only pray to the Father, they'll admit, they'll say things like, Well, it's okay to pray to Jesus, but you you should pray to the Father. No, you should pray to the Father, that's for sure. You should pray to the Son, and you should pray to the Holy Spirit. And, and what's interesting and in, in what what they, you know, they have rarely thought about, and I and I, you know, I've never heard anyone speak about this, but all of these men and women will lovingly and zealously worship Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They'll give thanksgiving to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? You know the hymns, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? So in our, in our praise and worship songs in church, we have no problem worshiping God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have no prob problem praising God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But for some reason, we get a little confused and we think that when we're praying, we got to put the brakes on, right? And only pray to God the Father. It, it, it's not right, okay? Um, and there are certainly examples in the scripture. Um, in Acts 7, um, the first martyr, Stephen, incredible um, man of God. Uh, he's being stoned and he's at the last moments of his life and his, in his final breaths and his final prayer, he actually prays directly to Jesus and says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Um, and obviously that was proper for him to do. Jesus is God, okay? To say that you shouldn't pray to Jesus is saying you shouldn't pray to God because Jesus is God. The father doesn't get jealous. You, you remember in uh, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. The father has, has given all authority in heaven and on earth and actually under the earth to Jesus. Jesus is the boss of everything. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says that when everything's complete, Jesus will hand that authority back over to the father. Verse 13, Jesus speaking, John 14, 13, and I will do, Jesus said me, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. Again, when you pray to Jesus, you bring glory to the father. Verse 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So again, Read the verse slowly so you understand what it says. You may, he's telling you right there, pray to him. You may ask me, Jesus speaking. He's speaking about a time when he's gone to the Father, back in heaven. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Why didn't he say, you may ask the Father for anything in my name and he will do it? As a matter of fact, he's going to say that in the coming chapters, right? He's going to say, you know, you can ask the Father in my name. 
But here he says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So the goal of the Christian life is to grow in your relationship with God the Father, with God the Son, and with God the Holy Spirit. We actually have the opportunity to grow in our relationship and intimacy with each member of the triune God. And to say that we should only pray to the Father obviously would substantially inhibit our growth and our relationship with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. So, for the rest of your life, okay, feel free and yes, pray to your Heavenly Father. But also, pray to Jesus and pray to the Holy Spirit. Praise and worship your Heavenly Father. Praise and worship Jesus. Praise and worship the Holy Spirit. Um, they're all God, and they're all worthy of our praise and our worship and certainly our prayer. What does he mean when he says, in my name? Why do we pray in Jesus' name? What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? I mean, why don't we pray in our own name, right? Why don't, why don't we end our prayers and say, you know, it's in Tom's name we pray. It's in May's name we pray. It's in John's name we pray. Obviously, that sounds silly, right? The first thing to, to say is that when you pray in Jesus' name, you're acknowledging to whomever you're praying to, if you're praying to Jesus or the Holy Spirit or the Father, you're acknowledging you're not praying in your own name. You're not praying in your own merit. You're, you're basically saying, Lord Jesus, I, I, I pray in your name, which is to say, all that I'm asking now, I don't ask based on my own merit or my own righteousness. But Lord Jesus, I pray in your name, in Jesus' name, based on what you've done, Lord Jesus, based on, excuse me, the merits of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray. So to pray in Jesus' name means to pray in the finished work of the cross, to, to pray in the merit and righteousness of what Jesus has done. It's basically saying, Father, I don't deserve to have these prayers answered in myself, but I pray in Jesus' name based on what Jesus Christ has done at the cross in Jesus' name. So again, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a humility that prays to God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, not based in our own righteousness, uh, but based in the righteousness and merits of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, to pray in Jesus' name also means to pray in the character of Jesus, um, to be on the same page as Jesus, so to speak. So, you know, you don't, um, you don't go to Jesus and pray for things that are not his will. Um, to pray in Jesus' name means to pray also in agreement with what Jesus would, you know, would have for you, right? So when he says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it, He's also saying that, you know, you may ask me for anything in my name, meaning in my character, in, in what he would approve of, right? To pray in Jesus' name also means to pray prayers that would be approved by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, to, 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 to have a prayer, you know, let's say that, that someone, you know, offended you or hurt you. And, and just to pray in Jesus' name 
that, that God would hurt them or to bring revenge on them. You know, Lord Jesus, in your name, I pray that you would get that person and you would hurt them and harm. Well, that's not, you know, he's not going to answer that prayer because that's not in line with his character, with his lifestyle. Again, to pray in Jesus' name is to, to pray prayers that are in line with the heart and will of God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. So hopefully that makes sense. Verse 15. Incredible verse here, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Just listen to that again. If you love me, you will obey what I command. The mark of our love for Jesus and our Father and the Holy Spirit, the mark of our love for God is not is not our words. Certainly we tell them that we love them. But Jesus says here that your love will be identified or verified by your obedience. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Well, what does Jesus command? Well, the whole word of God, right? The whole Bible is the word of God. Jesus is God, right? So showing love for Christ is to do, you know, what he's, he's told us to do. I think it's Luke 6, 46, where he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I mean, it's, it's really a funny verse, right? It's not funny, but he said, you know, he's looking at all the disciples and all the people coming around him saying, Lord, 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 Lord. And finally he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Just because you say the words doesn't make it so, right? If you love me, you will obey what I command. So do you have a lifestyle of obedience to the word of God and the son of God? When you step back and examine yourself and look at your life, do you have a lifestyle of loving Jesus by doing what he says? You can't say that you love Jesus and then say, but, you know, I don't want to do the things that he's told me to do. Uh, you know, obviously just it's not reasonable, right? To love Jesus, to honor him, to love him is to have a lifestyle of obeying him. Now, again, we're not going to be perfect in this, and this has nothing to do with our salvation. You don't go to heaven by your obedience. You go to heaven by believing and trusting in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. But love for Jesus isn't measured. It isn't measured by going to church, right? It isn't measured by, you know, by, by giving money. Um, although certainly those things are a form of love for Jesus, right? But, but love for Jesus is shown moment by moment, day by day, and our obedience to him, right, Nathan? And, and our willingness to repent when we fail. Again, none of us are going to be perfect. This isn't a religious exercise. These are, these are the words of John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So we want to have an increasing lifestyle of obedience to Jesus and the word of God. It has nothing to do with being saved. We don't trust in ourselves and our obedience for our salvation, but this is the mark of our, of our love 
for Jesus. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. 17, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Uh, profound verses. Jesus says he's going to, you know, he's going to go to heaven. He's going to go back with the father. And so you basically have this idea of Jesus now being ascended to heaven, which will happen, you know, shortly here, you know, um, it's going to happen in like 42 days, right? He's going to give his life on the cross on Friday. He's going to be raised from the dead on Sunday. And then 40 days later, he's going to send to heaven. And then in, um, in Acts chapter 2, we see the incredible giving of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. It's a capital C there to be with you, the spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. Um, and it's clear he's talking about, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, it's clear he is speaking about God, the Holy Spirit. And I will give you another counselor meaning someone else like him, okay? Jesus had been with the disciples for, for three and a half years and mentoring them and counseling them and discipling them, and he was their master. And he said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, someone like him, someone with the same nature as him, God the Holy Spirit. And he says he'll be with you forever, and he is the spirit of truth. And we'll get into what that means. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. If you do not have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, then, then you, have, you have no capacity to understand the truth of God in any manner, in any way. By the common grace of God, you can understand worldly truth, but you can understand no spiritual truth no spiritual reality in any way unless you have the Holy Spirit living in you, God the Holy Spirit counseling you and helping you, right? Um, he's called the counselor. He's our helper. Um, and the only way to have the Spirit of God living in you is when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In John 1.12, it says to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Are you trusting and relying on Jesus today and him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul to save you from eternal hell? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us, but this is what the scripture says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Words are what we use to communicate our heart to Jesus. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you called out to him in desperation, knowing your desperate need of him, knowing you're hopeless and helpless without him? If you're not sure, you can give your life to Jesus today. And remember, you can use these words, but it's it's the sincerity, 
you know, in genuineness of our heart that matters. But just go before the Lord Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I, you know, I confess and I know that I am a sinful person. Lord, I know that I've done wrong and I, and I know, Lord, that I'm hopeless and I'm helpless. I believe the word of God that says I am a sinful person and I'm hopeless without you, Lord Jesus. But Lord Jesus, I do believe that you are the son of God. And I believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and, and died a perfect death for me. And I believe that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. Again, a Christian is someone who, is, who, is, who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're trusting and relying on him alone. They're clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Now, when you do that, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives inside of you and gives you spiritual life. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, becomes one with your spirit, and you become alive spiritually. You go from spiritual death to spiritual life when the Spirit of God joins himself to you. And now spiritual reality begins to make sense to you, and you are being led by the Holy Spirit to be like Jesus. If you don't have the Spirit of God living in you, that means you're not a Christian, and you cannot do I tell you the truth, verse 12, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, Jesus said. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit living in you and counseling you and, and giving you life and enlightening you and encouraging you and driving you to do and live as Jesus did. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals Jesus to us and convicts us, John 16, 8. The Spirit of God will come and he'll convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so the Holy Spirit is continually and consistently convicting us and pointing us toward Jesus to be like him and live for him, right? And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsel to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now you notice he's called the Spirit of truth, which is in contrast to a world of lies, okay? We live in a, a world system where... You know, people don't disseminate between truth and lies. The world doesn't like truth. But he's, Jesus actually calls them the spirit of truth. So I'll say again, you cannot have any concept of God, any, until you have the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the counselor living in you. Um, you can again have, you can certainly understand truth by the common grace of God and the things of this world and, and, and just all the different aspects of you know, of, you know, all the building blocks of the world and all that with regard to mathematics and finance and science and, and all that. But to discern any spiritual truth at all, to know God in any manner or in any way, we have to have the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit living in us. We are one with him. We are in intimate relationship with him. And it's he, the Holy Spirit, who helps us develop our relationship with not only himself, but with God the Son, Jesus, and our, and our Heavenly Father, God the Father.
Verse 17, the world cannot accept him, the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And in John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on them, uh, on the disciples after his resurrection, on the 11 disciples, and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And, you know, at that point, they're regenerated. The Spirit of God comes to live in them, and they become born again spiritually. Um. And he says to them, but you know him, right? Because the spirit of God had already been there, but he wasn't living in them. It wasn't until Jesus was taken out of the world, God the Son, that God the Holy Spirit was sent into the world. And he lives in us as believers. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a truth that's, that's so magnificent we can't understand it. God actually lives in us and is one with us. We are one with him. We're married to him, right? We're called the bride of Christ. We're one with Jesus spiritually, right? Just like a husband and wife become one physically in, in marital intimacy, we're one with Jesus spiritually by the Holy Spirit, right? Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's explained to the disciples that, that he's leaving them, that they can't follow him, Um and that he's, that he's going away. And so they, they have this fear. Obviously, he understands that they're going to be abandoned. And, and many have that fear today. If you're in Jesus Christ today, you are not an orphan. The Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit lives with you. God the Father is your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. If you haven't received Jesus Christ today, then, then you are still an orphan. But if you'll give your life to Jesus Christ today, no more will you be an orphan because you'll be adopted and God the Father will be your heavenly Father. So give your life to Jesus today if you haven't. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Verse 19, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live you also will live. It's a profound verse here, uh, right, Esther? Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. So Jesus was, gonna, was going to be crucified on the cross. He was going to be raised from the dead. 40 days later, he'll ascend to heaven, back to heaven, um, and the world wouldn't see him anymore. But he promises the disciples but you will see me. And they're not going to see him with their natural eyes anymore. They'll see him after the resurrection, but they'll have spiritual eyes to see him the same way you and I see him, right? But then he makes this statement, because I live, you also will live. We're saved by the death of Christ, but we're being saved by the life of Christ. It's the death of Jesus Christ that pays the debt for our sin. All human beings have a sin debt to God. Um, all of us need a savior. It's the death of Jesus Christ on the cross where Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. He died in our place. He was punished in our place. We deserved the death and punishment he took for us. And so it's the death of Jesus Christ 
that paid the penalty for our sin, right? But if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then we too would have remained in death. So it's the death of Jesus that saves us from our sin, but it's the life of Jesus. It's his resurrection life. He says, because I live, you also will live. It's the life of Jesus that gives us life. It's pretty, pretty awesome, right? Thank you, Lord. Verse 20, on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Golly, it's profound. Colossians, what is it? 127, Christ in you, the hope of glory. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. And this is again, the day when the spirit of God comes to live in them. When the spirit of God comes to live in you, and, 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 and gives you spiritual life, you're born again spiritually, you're regenerated spiritually, it's only then that you begin now this process of relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. We are in Jesus. Jesus is in us as Christians, as believers. And it's... uh. Again, it's it's a profound truth. Um, you know, we, we understand very little of it, but it's here it is. It's plain. It, it's powerful. They're his words. Verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. So now he, he's just repeating it. In verse 15, he said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. You cannot love Jesus and obey him until the Holy Spirit is living in you. Because he says in verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. It's only when the Spirit of God comes to live in you that he counsels you how to love and obey Jesus. Okay? Now, you know, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. It's not enough just to have the Bible, Stephen. It's not enough, Jose, just to have the scriptures. Love for Jesus, again, is shown by our obedience to him. It cannot be any more plain. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Now hear me, we're not saved by any of this. I keep saying this over and over because, you know, most people get it confused, it seems. We're saved by receiving his love for us. We don't get saved from our sin and go to heaven by loving him. We get saved by receiving the love of God in Jesus Christ and believing in him and trusting in him and the death that he died on the cross and in his resurrection for the salvation of our soul and the forgiveness of our sins. But this is talking about our love for him now, which is not about salvation. It's about our relationship with him and our intimacy with him, with Jesus. Whoever has my commands and obeys them he is the one who loves me. So again, I'll ask again, do you have a lifestyle of growing obedience to Jesus Christ? Because this is how your love for him and my love for him and all our love for him will ultimately be defined by our willingness to, to live as he did and to obey him. And, and now again, we cannot do that until we have the spirit of God living in us. We can't obey Jesus until we're saved, until we've first received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then 
His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in us and convicts us to have an obedient life to Jesus Christ and to repent when we fall short. Because again, none of us do this perfectly. I dare say few of us do it well. I don't think I do it very well. Um, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Well, look what it says after this. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. This is kind of a hard verse to understand. When he says, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, we know that, that God's love for us is unconditional, but this is clearly a conditional statement. So what is he talking about here? We know that the agape love, the Greek word um, for the unconditional love of our Heavenly Father, agape, is a love not because of, but in spite of, right? Our Father loves us not because of anything, but in spite of us, is one dynamic, one aspect of his love. This is clearly, though, a conditional love here. So this is not talking about the unconditional love of our Father. This is talking about a deeper level of love. This is talking about a deeper level of relational love. Verse 21, Jesus speaking, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Again, it's not talking about your salvation, but your walk with him, your relationship with him. He is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father. There's apparently a special kind of love, different than the all-encompassing agape love for the one who obeys the word of God, for the one who obeys Jesus. Whoever has my commands, right, man obeys them. He is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. So our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father's heart is apparently moved in a special way when we have a lifestyle and a heart and a desire to obey Jesus. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And Jesus said, you love me when you obey me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And and when you think about it, when, you know, when, when, when your children show you, when they, when, when your children's love for you as a parent is manifest in their genuine desire to live a life that you've set out for them to live, when they, when they, when they, when they desire to live in a godly way, in a proper way, in an upright way, in a loving way, there's an expression of your love that's greater. Does, does that make sense? Then, you know, now your children, you'll still love them. Your, your love for them is still unconditional. But the expression of that love is not the same to a disobedient, rebellious child. It's not. Right? I mean, the experience of that love is not the same. So, man, get this verse. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. Again, there's a special love. There's a special bond. The Father's heart is moved when we have a desire to love Jesus, to obey him, to walk with him, to repent when we fall short. That it's like It almost unlocks a deeper level of our heavenly Father's love. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him, Jesus said, and show myself to him. Get that. And I too will love him and show myself to him. 
the more you obey Jesus, the more you have a lifestyle of obeying the word of God, walking in line with the scriptures. None of us do it perfectly. So the more we have a lifestyle of repenting when we fall short and continuing to grow to obey the word of God, there'll be, there'll be a deeper intimacy in knowing the love of our heavenly father. And Jesus said, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And so the more you obey Jesus, the more you'll see Jesus. My wife's favorite scripture, right? Uh, the Beatitude, uh, Matthew 5, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does that mean? The more, the more pure your heart is, the more holy, the more devout, the, the more devotion you have to Jesus, the more you obey him, the more you'll see him in everything. The more you'll see him in nature, the more you'll see him in just every aspect of your life, right, Melanie? Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, right? And I too will love him and show myself to him. All of this is done by the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us that activates all these things and drives us to all these things. So we see the profound interaction here of the Holy Trinity. We see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all here in these verses, right? We see our triune God. The word Trinity doesn't appear in the scriptures, but clearly we can see a triune God, right? Um, we can do none of this without the Spirit of God living in us, but with the Spirit of God living in us, the Spirit of God is driving us to, to be like Jesus to know the love of Jesus and to love Jesus by, by our devotion to him and our obedience to him. And in as much, we'll experience deeper intimacy with our heavenly father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. It's incredible. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. We thank you for your word, Lord. Father, we do ask you to help us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us and to lead us and to guide us and to convict us that, that we might show our love to Jesus by our, by our growing obedience to him. And help us, Holy Spirit, to, to repent where we fall short. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and your favor and your, your goodness on our lives. Father, we just worship you and thank you today for all your love and mercy and goodness. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. We thank you for your favor, your mercy, your goodness, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.